0: Welcome to the Little Way Farm and Homestead podcast. Little Way Farm and Homestead is a regenerative and educational farm in southeastern Indiana.
1: Motivated by the Catholic faith, we strive to inspire, encourage, and support the development of homesteads and small-scale farms in faith and virtue. I'm Matthew. And I'm Carissa. We're excited for you to join us on the podcast. We are excited to share some stories of some lessons that we have learned on the homestead in the last couple of years. But before we get into those stories, we have a couple announcements, upcoming events for this year that we wanted to share with everybody. The first is that we have a summer program this year called the Little Farmer's Immersion Experience. So it's for ages 4 to 16. It's April, May, and June, one Saturday for two hours each month. They'll be able to have hands-on experience and take something home with them every time.
0: Yeah, it's going to be awesome. We'll talk about soil ecology and planting in April, and then we'll talk about chickens and learn about broilers and meat chickens and laying chickens in may and we might need help finding some free-range chickens uh, eggs. eggs around the, the eggs, farm yeah. and then in june we're going to talk about all things cattle and it's going to be a lot of fun and we already have quite a few sign ups and we're excited for anyone else who's willing and able to join us out here
1: so check out the details in the description box and on our website you can find more information about signing up for that event
0: Yep. And then the other thing is we have just launched a directory on our website to help other Catholics find one another who are involved in homesteading or small scale farming or other agricultural pursuits or even trade work. And we are extremely excited for this because we know and we receive so many inquiries from people all across the country and now even outside of the country who are looking to learn from someone else or buy local food or just get into homesteading and they're looking for community and they want help. So you can check out our website right now, littlewayhomestead.com backslash directory. And with that, let's get into the episode. All right, Krissa. do you remember when we woke up one morning, we looked out the window and there was a small group of cattle... In our side yard where they are not supposed to be.
1: Yes, it was all three of the calves from that year.
0: Yeah. And they
1: had just trampled through our garlic field. One might have still been in the garlic field whenever we happened to look up.
0: Yeah, so this one was kind of funny. So basically, we woke up, look out the window, and there are three giant black bull calves and a heifer standing in the side yard. And... If you ever visit Little Way Farm and Homestead, or you can see maybe some pictures of it, our side yard is basically where it's a family oriented area. We have a small family garden out there. It's where we originally started growing garlic before we expanded into the commercial gar- gardens. And there, has, it, there was a small area between that space and where the actual farm begins. And I think I had just so happened to have cut a small section into the barbed wire fence at the time because I was a little bit tired of walking around the fence. Yeah. I probably figured I'd put a gate or something in later. But I remember distinctly looking out the window first thing in the morning and all of those cows being just sitting right there in the side yard.
1: Yeah, well, we had fenced them off from that area because – they, this was an area that they really enjoyed coming down to, but we cut them off from it because it became our big garden area. And so we didn't want cows going through grazing around the gardens because obviously that can cause some issues. Right. So they weren't, they weren't supposed to have access to even get to the area where there was an open gate.
0: Right. They should have been cut off from that area alone. And yes. that obviously did not work. And I remember running down the stairs thinking, well, I don't remember what I was thinking. I just know it was either these cows turn around and go back through the hole in the fence that I made, which seems very unlikely for that to have happened at this point, or they're going to walk out into the street. And I think part of the reason that they were so interested in being in that part of the yard is because of the neighbor's cows across the road who they were probably curious about.
1: Yes, they. I definitely think so. But I'm also pretty sure that we actually, they woke us up. I think that they must have started calling.
0: I think you're probably right. And
1: we woke up and our bedroom window happens to overlook that garden. So we both pop our heads <laughs> out the window and see cows right outside our window. And I think we had also just bought the herd. So we, we've we never like had experience of moving cattle. So we both just jumped up and threw clothes on and like ran out the door the first thing in the morning
0: yeah really thankful that they did end up turning around and going back the right way into the farm area because that could have been an absolute disaster and when we talk about so these were calves at the time yeah but when we talk about calves these calves were nearing butcher time i mean they were probably they were like probably five, full, five, six, seven hundred. yeah they were very pounds, big very, yeah. very very big very heavy yes so a little bit more than just uh oh a calf got out again. No.
1: Yeah, they weren't they weren't little cute calves. They were like starting I mean the boys they they were, were definitely, starting to get a little
0: They're getting a little wild. Yeah. Yeah. They
1: looked a little tough.
0: So that was one. That was a that was a good first story. How about this one? Do you remember the time I actually think you probably weren't very happy with me at this time for some reason? But I had you working, or we were working together, and I had you holding on to an electric wire reel. (laughs) So a reel with electric wire on it.
1: We were moving fencing for our dairy cow.
0: Got it. Yeah, so we were removing the fencing, moving the wire, and obviously when you do that and it's electric fencing, you need to make sure that the fencing is turned off so that people don't get electrocuted. Yes. And that happened. I turned it off and then something else happened in my mind.
1: Well, part of the problem is that I was having some health issues earlier in the year. And so I hadn't been out helping you a lot with chores on the farm. And I think it was this time that I had started to have a lot more energy and try to get outside and help you more with chores. So you were like, Hey, come help me move fencing. It'll (laughs) go so much quicker with a second hand. And so you're used to doing this all on your own, but I'm out there with you. And so in your head, you're like, I'm done. I've moved the fence. Now I turn it on. And he had no idea what I was doing, which was making sure that the fence was secured, that the line I had was secured to the post that we were putting it on. So I'm still holding the electric wire in my hand when Matthew decides, well, I'm done. It's time to turn the wire on. And I start feeling shocks, but I thought it was, I can't remember where I felt it first. I don't feel like it was in my hand. I thought a bug was stinging me or biting me. And I started like looking around for (laughs) something that was biting me or stinging me. And at the same time, Matthew had looked over and realized I'm holding the wire. So I'm holding on, not even like letting go my of my grip. And it keeps like the shock keeps going through. And every time I'm like, what is binding? Me? Yeah. And finally, he's like, let go of the wire. And once I realize, once it Settled into my brain what had happened. I think I was not very happy with you. I don't
0: think you were very happy with me about that one, and I'm sure I felt badly about it. And for anyone who's wondering, this type of electric uh, electricity isn't going to really injure you, but it definitely does not feel comfortable. I mean, it could injure you. That's that's not that's unreasonable to say it wouldn't, but it definitely doesn't feel good. With
1: each, it like goes out in a wave. Like there's a pause in between. Yeah. And with each one, it was getting stronger. Cause you had just turned it on. I was at the very end of the line. So I'm sure it's like pumping more <laughs> electric every time.
0: Yeah. That's so it wasn't,
1: it wasn't necessarily like painful at least yet for me, it pr- might've gotten more painful. It was just shocking. <laughs> like, you know, electric shock and I didn't know what was going on. And so it, yeah.
0: it reminds me, this is an easy segue to another one. I, I, Maybe I don't have the best record of working always with you in mind when you are working with me, because there was another time, and that's not even fully accurate either, because we work together on the farm a lot together, but I obviously do a lot of the day-to-day work.
1: I think we've gotten better at working together. I think there is a lot that you do on your own, and so it makes sense that whenever I come in to help, I don't know your usual patterns or sure. how you do things
0: well but there was another time and it just makes me think of this where we were working on building a small corral inside the barn for I think oh chickens my, at oh the time God. some meat birds <laughs> 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 and we were moving I don't remember exactly why we were doing this or exactly what this what the plan was at that time it was probably some haphazard plan put together you know last minute
1: this is how Matthew works <laughs>
0: We're getting better at it. He
1: looks for, okay, I have this. This can do what I need it to do. And, oh, I have this. That'll do the other part of what I need to do.
0: Sometimes you got to piece things together. This was not a good piecing together, though. I remember taking some uh, like cattle gates, which are big, heavy gates, and they come in varying sizes and varying weights. Very heavy. They can be very heavy. Made of metal. And, um, yeah, I definitely moved one over and turned around and chris uh, no well, I, I brought another one happened. over okay
1: yeah here's what happened there we have a pole barn, so there are some posts in it wh- which you could easily like frame out different sections and we realized that the the length worked to use one of our cattle gates to section off a piece that we were gonna put was it chickens or cows? I don't remember. I don't remember, what remember it if was.
0: it was chickens because that wouldn't have made sense. I want to think, and we might have needed to move a cow in there for some reason, but I could be wrong.
1: Yeah, I can't remember exactly what it was, but we were trying to make.
0: Doesn't seem very wise to put those gates around chickens. I know so. that's what
1: I was thinking. I was like, that wouldn't really hold them in, so yeah. maybe it wasn't chickens. But anyway, so we realized that the the gates were fitting between the poles that we had. I think it was probably going to be for the cow for some reason I don't remember why but so he took one gate over and we also our barn has been used for storage when we moved into the house we stored a lot of our old house in the barn while we were transitioning everything into the new house and like figuring out what we needed to keep and what to get rid of so there are still some boxes sitting around and there was a box sitting near where he was moving the gate that had glass spice jars in it and he took the gate and just like whipped it around and (laughs) knocked the box completely over and glass spice jars just shattered all over the floor so I'm already like you just shattered all my (laughs) spice jars so I go over to start picking them up because I think I we also had one of our our like one-year-old with us in the barn and I didn't want her like getting into the glass and cutting herself so I go over I'm trying to clean up the glass he's still focused on the project at, at hand and so he goes to grab another cattle gate and I, I don't know what happened i definitely Did you trip? Bumped
0: a, i don't know bumped
1: but something
0: i definitely lost hold
1: of the gate <laughs> next thing i know i have a big crash on the back of my head
0: yeah totally knocked took one gate oh my gosh knocked the other gate and it fell over on chris's head
1: right on my head i i thought it was gonna be a pretty bad injury i'm surprised that it wasn't but I that acted also, swiftly
0: I, I I attended to you very quickly I knew that that yeah. one did not feel good
1: I was it hurt and I think I was also a little angry that time a little more than the, the electric fence honestly
0: I remember you being pretty upset with me <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's okay we made up <laughs> Okay, here's the next story. Here's a funny one.
1: These also might be good stories of, like, why people say, like, farming can be dangerous. Like, you should probably just think things through, see who's around you when you're trying to, like, move things around yeah
0: and especially because it's not just physically exhausting at times but it's mentally exhausting so it's just easy to forget things or just not be aware and at times. there's
1: just always a never-ending to-do list so we don't always have the time we would love to have to sit down and plan out every project neatly and have everything set up to like put it together sometimes we only have a short window and we're like our deadline like this animal needs this now so we have to find some kind of structure to fit this and it's just it adds up it's all scattered yeah
0: yeah but we'll get better and we are getting better okay well here's a story again of not getting better <laughs> <laughs> here's another funny one that people might uh think is interesting one time and this is actually why we have a zero predator policy now on the farm that's that's where this this well, comes this is from half of it right right oh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we do have a zero predator policy now okay so this one was kind of funny So we noticed that some of our laying hens were suddenly not around anymore. And when that happens and you have free-ranging chickens, often that means that they're being taken by a predator.
1: Well, we were finding them.
0: Yeah, and you'll find, you know, different parts of uh, of the hen left over. And you'll find evidence of what type of predator it was that probably... Took yeah. them or attacked them. If
1: you find them, then sometimes you can figure out what it is that's attacking yeah. because of how they leave them.
0: Right. And so in this instance, what I ended up finding at maybe late at night or at dusk is I, I started doing what we call like a flashlight check outside where you just scan the property really quickly with a high-powered flashlight. And what you're looking for is the reflection of eyes. And by those eyes, you can eventually learn to tell what type of animal it is, even from a far distance away. And so that's really helpful. So you can tell, you know, is this a raccoon? Is that a fox? Is it a cat? You know, what kind of animal is it likely? Well, I ended up finding two pairs of eyes near one part of our property and determined those are definitely raccoons. And then on further inspection, they absolutely were raccoons. And so my neighbor lent me some traps so I could trap the raccoons and ended up trapping one of them. Well, uh, when I did get it, it was breathing really heavily and it didn't look really well and so i thought it was sick.
1: Well, not to mention, raccoons are really cute. Like yeah. i i didn't expect it, but seeing them up close, i don't know if it was a young raccoon or what, but like they were cute. And so it was hard to be like, "Oh, they're not they're not doing any harm," right?
0: Right. Well, so i ended up going to I had contacted the the I don't remember the local health department or state around it and they informed me they gave me proper you know advice on how to handle the animal and so what I intended to do was work to dispatch it at the back of our property
1: dispatch
0: dispatch it yep And so I took it back there and opened up the crate. And suddenly this animal, which I thought was weak, became very vibrantly alive, sprung out of this crate, ran away, and I never saw it again.
1: You were intending to kill it? Yeah. I thought you were just trying to release it.
0: No, definitely not. I was trying to dispatch it. I think that was the direction that I received Uh, At the time.
1: Well, I think part of it was going to the back of the property. We were just...
0: To an isolated area away from everybody.
1: Yes. We were trying to get to a place where least risk for anything else getting shot.
0: Right. And so trying to be really responsible about it and handle it appropriately and accordingly. And suddenly this creature springs to life. This raccoon becomes absolutely full of life. And it jumps out of the crate, runs off into the woods... Never to be seen again. Until? Until the next day when I trapped it again in the same area.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The same raccoon.
0: That raccoon did not make it that time. That was a funny one. Uh, And that's partly why we have a zero predator policy because we realize that when you have farm animals around that are prey to Mm -hmm. animals, that... You, those animals those predators will travel to find them and yeah. they're not just you know aimlessly moving about they have a motivation and they're looking for food likely
1: yeah and at that point we had lost enough of our laying hens that we were tired of whatever was taking them because that obviously takes away from our food yeah our family
0: and it's not fun to tell customers that you don't have any eggs this week because your chickens got killed it just isn't a good look and so yeah that that's one part of the Zero predator policy. The other one is that one time we built a chicken tractor, which is typically a movable or a mobile Mm -hmm. coop that you would keep chickens in like meat birds, except that I tried to increase the size of it without accounting for the weight because I was using wood for that uh, chicken tractor. And so it became very difficult, if not nearly impossible, to move it on a regular basis with just one person.
1: Yeah, it was pretty heavy.
0: So we ended up letting those meat chickens just free range. We didn't even put them in a net, which is typically how we do it now, where we'll give them either a controlled area inside electric netting, and then we'll move that, or we'll give them a tractor that's enclosed, somewhere between those options or or one of those options. And so we didn't even do that. We just went full free range with the meat chickens. And that seemed like a really good idea at the time. To be
1: fair, meat... Meat chickens are very different. They grow very fast, so they just... They don't, like, roam the way that laying hens do. Yeah, they're not going to
0: travel far away from food. It wasn't
1: quite... Like, they stayed pretty much in their area. It was in a fenced-in, but not fenced for chickens in pasture.
0: And this seemed like a fine idea, and frankly, day by day by day, it seemed like a fine idea, and it was working pretty okay. And then...
1: Well we had hundreds of chickens. So this was hundreds of chickens. And as we're taking care of them and going out and seeing them every day, we start, I know I started to say, do you think this is how many chickens we're supposed to have? And we I mean, it's kind of impossible to count them. There's hundreds. I think we
0: started that one was like a, I think it was like 150 or so for that one specific batch yeah but then you start counting them and you're like this obviously is not 150 and then it's a little less the next day and a little next the next day and a little next less the next day yes and then one day you look up and one of them is being dragged off into the woods by a baby fox
1: (laughs) (laughs) just we're just sitting outside talking about the weekend or something and Matthew looks up and is like what's got the chicken
0: yeah that wasn't good that means that that fox was either very hungry or was eating so well and became so comfortable that it had no problem coming up there. And I suspect that that yeah. is what it was because Middle it was of the a, morning yeah, bright just daylight, healthy looking, yeah, absolutely was just picking off chickens.
1: It might have just been playing
0: it, <laughs> I think it was a baby, which is it is what it is. So we've learned now. That, one, you really need to make sure that you protect your investment when it comes to farm animals. And also, if you're homesteading and not trying to produce for food, you know, for others, it's really important that not only do you steward well, but that you really make sure that your animals are protected from predators. Otherwise, you end up having to work more to pay for those animals and replace them. And it just becomes really discouraging, especially with hens and other animals that take a longer time to produce what it is that you want. Like, if you want eggs from a hen, for some breeds, it can take four or five months. And if you get a big predator attack in July or June, that means you might not get any more eggs for until next spring because sometimes they won't produce through the winter time. So, that can be really frustrating. So, but anyway, yep. Yeah, that's why we have a zero predator policy, which means that all predators are protected against and dispatched as soon as we see them in a reasonable manner, meaning that they are they are affecting the farm or the homestead or threatening the safety of the animals. That's what we mean by that.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I think this story that we need to end with is the first time we tried to catch our cows.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that's a bit of a story, I would say.
1: Yeah, I'd say so.
0: So maybe I'll start it and then you can just kind of chime in. Yeah. So I remember, so basically we needed to catch some of the bull calves and the heifer. Well, there really wasn't a bull calf. I mean, we just kind of referred to them over time because you just get used to which ones are the mom cows and which ones are the calves. But these were grown at this point. They, and they were yearlings. Yeah. And they were ready to go to butcher. And so we... This was the first time that we were doing it, and we were not in a really controlled rotational grazing strategy at that time, nor did we have a very good relationship with those animals, and it was so difficult that it was at the point where if I was to go out in the field, they would basically just run away and hide.
1: Well, if we go back a little bit, the relationship had probably been a little bit strained because when we started trying to catch them we kind of thought that we could just do it by like walking up and pushing them in a certain direction oh, just that like does not by work. our physical presence and we learned really quickly that they had no interest in us being physically near them and so we tried this a couple different ways a couple different times over three months maybe and I think that it just developed more of a strain in the relationship. So by the time you're really trying to catch them, we've got our neighbor like giving us a little bit more direction, saying he's going to come out and help us. They were pretty unhappy to be around you. Yeah,
0: they were a little riled up. Sometimes you can spook cattle, and that's one of the most difficult situations that you can run into where it nearly triggers kind of a primal instinct within them to fight or flight. And somewhere along the course of those few months, through a few other things that we were trying to do as far as getting them in particular parts of the farm, they definitely had gotten spooked, and then we had to address that. And it just takes a long, long time to re-repair uh, that relationship. And before we go on in the story, spoiler alert: for if you do visit us this year, you will notice, hey. Those cows will come right up to us if you call them. So, yeah, we've learned a little bit.
1: We've learned (laughs) a little bit since this incident.
0: Yeah, they are wonderful now. But so back to the story. Effectively, the day or the day before we were ready to catch them, what we had done is we had a trailer that was backed up to them. I think it was a 16 foot or 30 foot long trailer that was backed up to this corral. And a corral is just a place where you catch the cattle. Often, you can do it really wisely, and you can design a system of shoots that effectively guide the cattle in particular directions based on their uh, physical makeup. That's what we'll do this year as a way of improving this, but we were early on. We were trying it out. We we didn't have the best setup, but effectively-
1: we, We also, we were kind of thrown into like a, we weren't super prepared because we didn't realize that- we were going to be sending them to butcher. And then we realized that we were, and then we were getting dates and the dates for the butcher, just they're available and they're available. Right. So when you got a date, we had to throw something together. So it wasn't that's like we right. had all this time to plan out a nice corral. We didn't have, like we used what we had on the farm and what our neighbor lent yeah, us. Yeah,
0: that's totally fine. We, I, I think if I remember right, the butcher basically called me and said, Hey, an opening happened. I need you to bring them in. And yeah. so it was like, Okay, well, we're unprepared, but I guess we'll have to get them in. Right. So we have this trailer backed up to effectively a large square, and the square is made up of various cattle panels and wooden structures to keep them in there. We had a little uh, alleyway that we would let them walk down to get in there to drink water, and so they got used to it for a few days, and then what happened was we effectively tried to trap them into and run into the trailer, and the first time that we did it, All of the mom cows were in there with the three that we wanted to catch in order to put in the trailer. And they were, it was not good. They effectively broke the corral. One of the moms, I distinctly remember seeing her uh, rear up on her hind legs, take her front two legs and smash them down on this wall that was probably about six ish feet tall. That's pretty tall, maybe five to six feet tall, and just crush the whole wall.
1: And it wasn't, it was not wood and cattle panel it was a metal gate
0: oh that's right that one was a metal gate and she crushed it like a pipe gate yes yeah it's still back there the evidence is there and then when that happened all the cattle got out so that wasn't good but wild enough i thought that they were spooked at that point and we had to catch them to next day to get to the butcher or we were you know it was back to well whenever whenever he's got an opening and so you kind of just you got a lot of pressure on you and wild enough, they ended up all coming back in there, except this time, they, we were watching them from a van uh, that we were driving up and down the road to kind of wait for them to go in there and, and get some water. And we drove by, Krissa was driving, and I was in the passenger seat. And what we did is we had a long rope attached to a gate that led to the alleyway. And we watched all three of the cows or the calves walk in that we wanted to catch, and then one mom went in with them. And then that mom turned around and left. So this time, instead of having the whole herd inside right. the crowd, we only had the ones that we wanted to catch. So I'm thinking, oh, yeah, this is perfect. And so I jump out of this van, grab the rope, pull it shut. And at this point, they are locked in there. We are good to go. And then it got wild from there. I jump, ran over to the alley, jumped over it, pulled another pipe gate closed that we had fastened Uh, to one of like the um basically to the corral to cut the alley off. So now they are stuck in the corral area, which is probably like 15 feet by 15 feet, something like that. It's not huge, but it's not big either. I jump into the corral with these with this cat, this group of cattle. And when cattle get spooked like this, they start running in circles, and what they're doing is they're trying to feel it an out, and they're testing all the sides, and they're trying to break out of this area and get away from you.
1: Well, when you jumped in, they you had put hay into the trailer to lure the cows in there, mm-hmm. and the calves had gone into the trailer. So That's you right. jumped in, they were in the trailer, but they heard the commotion of you jumping over the fence and pulling the gate shut that's right and there might have been the mom that left might have started calling out to them
0: i'm sure so, she did
1: <laughs> so they were in there you had it but then by the time you got over to the trailer they were already taking off out of the yes. trailer right at you
0: and so i jumped into that corral and those uh, that group of cattle started running in a circle inside of this corral with me in it so we are talking this is dangerous. This is not good. This is really bad. And I also later was like, I should have put up a camera at some point before we did this (laughs) because it would have been a wild video.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I was watching from the van and I couldn't tell if I should be laughing or praying. And I think I was actually doing both. And I, after it was all done, I was like, I wish I would have recorded that because it happened so fast. It was almost hard to process exactly what happened. Right.
0: So how it ended? Well, Those, that group of cattle running in a circle, what they're doing is they're kind of feeling for an opening to run through and they made their way around a circle and I was in there and I slightly was, I was just able to stay out of their way. They ran back into the trailer. I ran to the trailer where the doors were. I pulled the first door shut and dropped the bolt to lock that door. The second door was tied up with bale twine to a wooden post so that it didn't get shut accidentally while they were in there before. And what you're supposed to do at that point is have a razor knife out or some other sharp object to cut that twine because that is the type of twine that holds together the, the bales, the five by six bales, four by four, bal- whatever size they are, which means it is very tough. And so I grabbed, uh, I, I didn't have a knife on me I didn't, I didn't, and I didn't have time because I saw them hit the end of that trailer and I saw them continue this circle that they were running. Yeah. They turned around and they were running straight at me. And so in that moment, I grabbed that gate and I threw it as hard as I could with all the adrenaline rushing in my body right back into the trailer. The twine snapped. I saw the cattle stammer down and stopped. I was able to grab the gate, drop the pin, and then they were in there. And then I realized in that moment, it's one thing to see cattle from behind a fence. It is another thing to see the power and the strength of these creatures that God has created. And that is how we caught cattle for the first time. And And, it is not how we're doing it the next time. Yeah,
1: we definitely (laughs) walked away saying there's got to be a better way.
0: There's definitely a better way. And with that, I think that's a great place to end tonight. And really want to say thank you to everyone for joining us for another episode of the Little Way Farm and Homestead podcast. Please be sure to check out our website. If you are a farmer, homesteader, uh, someone else who does any type of value-added production and you're a Catholic and want to represent your business on our website, check it out, littlewayhomestead.com backslash directory. Send in a submission form and we'll get those uploaded. We are getting an enormous amount of hits already on our website for, the, for those who are in the directory. And it's extremely exciting because we're able to point back and, and show people that it's driving a lot of traffic back to you all's businesses and websites. And hopefully that's helpful. And with that, Thanks again. Have a great day.
1: Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Little Way Farm and Homestead podcast. Check out the show notes for more information about this episode and be sure to tune in next